0: Okay, you're getting, okay. (laughs) I don't know. So, uh, let's see. Here we go. Um, Week two of Advent. Uh, Hopefully, you've got your Advent boxes. Um, And so, if I can have, uh, let's see. Uh, We're going to start right off interactive with a picture study or an art study this morning. Can you help, Luce? uh, Let's get one of these. Oh, both the girls. All right. Okay, uh, so the rules of this, when you get it, flip it over, so white, up, not, uh, so uh, if you're newer to the church, um, just as a kind of, one of the beautiful things of, of the story of God is that we have revealed most clearly in scripture, is that this is a, um, it's, it's the most important story can be, though, told through multiple um, languages and multiple uh, mediums or medias. I don't know the plural on media. Um, And so if if you grew up in a church with stained glass windows, you know those are the original PowerPoints uh, of uh, church. In a lot of settings where folks were illiterate, wow, we have a lot of extra. Okay, Uh, eBay. So... um, uh, you know those stained glass windows, if you were anything like me, you uh, mind wandered from time to time. It's allowed uh, during a Sunday gathering. And what those stained glass did in those churches was it was not just the words that were the stories, but it was showing the, the beauty of the stories. It's why we sing. It's why we look at art. It's why those things And so anyway, as a church, we center around the story of God revealed to us in the Bible. It's the clearest and in, in best way, in, in the way that God has chosen to reveal himself. But it's not the only way, Scripture says, that, that through all of human history, God has chosen to reveal his invisible qualities through creation around him. And so God is a creator, and he has created us as creators with a small c, and so that means we should be creative. And so in, um, in looking at uh, just the things around us, anyway, art's a piece of that. And so from time to time, we, we use art to look at not just a story or an obvious story, but, but um, and so, let's see. If you, this is from this past week one of the Advent Box. If you're wondering what that is, there's a couple still in the back. If you don't have an Advent box, we'd encourage you to grab one. We're only on week two. You're not behind. And in there is a song and a piece of art and a devotional reflection. Um, and we do that together as a church. Anyway, this is from that. Uh, so, so this is what we do when we take a look at art. Uh, we take time to see, really see. Not the way we flatten out art to pull out the spiritual meaning, Right? Rather, take it in and quietly listen for God to speak what your eyes can hear. Notice, wonder. So with that in mind, uh, take take your art, flip it over. I'm going to be quiet for a second. Just take a look at this, study it, notice, wonder. In a second, we're going to talk about it. All right, flip it over. We'll do this for real. So flip it over. <clears throat> uh, what did you notice? What did you see? And again, no right answer. This isn't guess what Pastor Jay wants you to have drawn out from this. What did you see? It looked like the light was coming from two different places. There was one light over on this side, and then from that tall, skinny elephant looking mm-hmm. creature. Or is light coming from that? Right. I know you saw it at At Walker's, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I have the Star Wars contingency, saw there. Oh. Walkers, okay. Yeah, there, we've said it. Three wise men, they look like two on horses and one on a camel. On the okay, good notice. What else? What would you see? I saw blood splatter, honestly, coming uh-huh. from the star. It just looked like blood. Blood splatter coming from the star? Yeah, from where the gun was
1: pointing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the, the color seemed to be coming down mm. so the gray animals seem to be getting drawn up and the color seem to be coming down what else? I took it as the, the light coming from the star shining on the evil and making bad appearance so that we're aware of the evil here ok so light revealing I assumed it was the north star you assumed it was the north star this is great you did not see this coming, huh? I don't think it was signed twice. It's signed twice. Yeah. Anyone notice that? Yeah. Anyone know the artist? Salvador Dali. This is Salvador Dali, who wouldn't probably fit in most of our mental framework for somebody who's going to do uh, a lot of religious art. Um, And so we're going to circle back to this, and I I don't want to do a lot of it, but um, one of my favorite things to be able to do is get books and stuff. Um, So Salvador Dali actually did an illuminated manuscript of the Bible. There's 120, 140 pieces of art that he did for a very specific uh, translation of the Bible. His story isn't one that ends, begins, isn't easy. His story... Is not an artist story where I would say, hey, you should live your life like Salvador Dali. Actually, his uh, story, a piece of it, is so broken. When he was born, he actually wasn't the firstborn son to his parents. His first, his older brother, whose name was Salvador, died at 18 months. And when he was born, then his parents named him Salvador. And when he was young, his parents brought him to his brother's grave and said, this is you. And so if, and you can just imagine what that would do to a kid. And then it just goes on into, uh, it's not a great story. It's actually not a great story at all. Um, and, but the thing that's interesting to me about Dolly is a few things uh, um, in, one of them is is that these stories so captured who he was that he took, I think, two years to just focus in on this. And, and he jokingly said he did this for uh, because he was an artist, but he was also um, a capitalist. And so he knew he would do art that would sell. Um, but there's something about the stories of Scripture that regardless of your posture to the stories... And by that, I mean you're recognizing them as authority or as God's story moving forward or just old stories. There's something about the stories of scripture that draw us to them and then draw something out of us from them. And so um, this is actually, uh, Dolly has a ton of works. If you're unfamiliar with him, he's the artist who painted the clocks melting. We've used Dolly before. I love this. I love Dolly. Um, and one of the reasons is, is because... The way he tells the story. This is actually the most famous of the story or of the art from this collection of art that he did for this illuminated manuscript for this illustrations of the Bible. Um, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, in this book, it talked about... oh. Have them and so Psalm seventy two so ends the Psalms of David. But if you're really bored, when I was a kid in church, sometimes I wasn't paying attention and remember hymnals? Anyone play the game of hymnals of looking to see how who the oldest hymn writer was? My hymnals had when they were born and when they died. This is my brain. I would just be like, Oh, that one's super old and then it was a hunt to see if anyone else was older. If you do, not that game, but a different game, if you go from Psalm 72 and keep going all the way out to the end of the book of Psalms, 150, uh, you're going to see there's actually more writings, more Psalms of David. It doesn't actually end the writings of David. But that's where the editor put that. It's interesting, nerdy, you begin monarchy with. At each new kingdom, am I out of batteries? Really? No, oh, no, I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay but nothing's coming on there? Really, for the whole thing? Oh, I'll have to restart for our people at home. Nervous giggle. Is he being serious? How are we now? Am I in the thing now? Okay, let's do this. All right, so turn over your art. No, just kidding. Um, Psalm 72, psalm of Solomon, either written by Solomon or written by David for Solomon, his son, a prayer for him, um, It is is interesting to think about either way. And so uh, the beauty of that psalm is that it's a very, very good psalm to read that. Can you turn this down a smidge so that, um, so it's a very good psalm to read at the beginning of a monarchy, the beginning of a kingship. And because the things that are in there are super great things to pray for. God, let your leader do this. And, and see, that could be read and actually could be kind of as a, yep, this happened and that's what it is. It's interesting, though, that this psalm is woven into the tapestry of Jewish faith. And it's kind of just sitting there. Maybe each king would have started started this as a prayer for their monarchy maybe not it certainly wouldn't be a bad place to start but we move forward a few hundred years from king solomon solomon lived about 950s 960s bc move forward toward us from solomon get to the prophet isaiah 600 700 scholars are well that's a whole other so a few hundred years, 250, let's just say, away from King Solomon, Isaiah, the prophet of God, whose ministry covers a very difficult point in the history of Israel and actually moves beyond that point of the history of Israel to where he's, he's speaking God's word to those there in that moment uh, who are wandering from God. He's calling them back. But he's also speaking to a time when, um, when God will return his people from exile. And so, uh, anyway, this is captured Solomon's mind. I don't know what your uh, uh, imagination engages for how we got the Bible. But to me, this is one of those great points. It's fine. It's totally fine. This is one of those great points where um, we we get a glimpse into. So the Holy Spirit brings to mind, to the prophet Isaiah... Psalm 72. Psalm 72. And what Isaiah does, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that's what I mean. It's it's in his head, and it just keeps going around in his head. Isaiah brings Psalm 72, not just says, isn't it great that this happened for King Solomon? But Isaiah grabs this, and he says, this is a thing that is yet to happen as well. So we're going to talk about prophecy in a minute. But hear these words of the prophet Isaiah spoken to out. Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See darkness cover the earth. Behold, darkness covers the earth. Hineh. "'Darkness covers the earth,' it is in Hebrew. "'And thick darkness is over the peoples, "'but the Lord rises upon you, "'and his glory appears over you. "'Nations will come to your light "'and kings to the brightness of your dawn. "'Lift up your eyes and look about you. "'All assemble and come to you. "'Your sons come from afar. "'Your daughters are carried on the hip. "'Then you will look and be radiant. "'Your heart will throb and swell with joy.' The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover the land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense. And proclaiming the praise of the Lord, all Kedar's flocks will be gathered to you, the rams of Naboth will serve you, and they will be accepted as offerings on my altar. And I will adorn my glorious temple. And I will adorn my glorious temple. Now, I don't know how good your ancient Near Eastern geography is if when those places were read and said, if you were like, oh yeah, that's right there and that's right there. If it's a little fuzzy, that's okay. Mine is too. I had to like Google image, where's that again? Just know this. Those are not Israel. These are foreign areas. Now, uh, well, we'll leave that one alone. So, Psalm 72 gets drawn into Isaiah 1, or Isaiah 60. Arise, shine. Isaiah grabs the imagery of the prayer of Psalm 72 and says that this day will come. Solomon may have prayed it, intended it to be shaping of the kingdom that he was growing into, and that is totally a right read of Psalm 72. But God is showing Isaiah that this psalm is actually speaking forward to a day yet to come that God intends to still unfold. And so hope is needed because now is not as good God intends it all the way to be. Hope is needed. Isaiah is speaking hope because that moment Isaiah is speaking to is not all the way God intended it to be. There was war. There was grabs for power. Sin is still prevalent as it is now. Death is still on the scene. Sickness, divorce, loneliness, sorrow, all of it. And into that, Isaiah says, Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. As soon as that arise, shine line started, some of us, our brains just went right into the song. Right? If you've been around church world as a kid, arise, shine, the glory of the Lord. Don't worry, I won't sing it. Let's see if... That's you, and your head already went to that place. You know the difficulty of it is to be familiar a bit with the stories of the Bible and the songs of the Bible that your mind clicks into autopilot, and we're in the danger of missing what's to come. So this C, the NIV actually has it in here on this one. Or maybe ESV, does it say Behold? Or Lo, New New King James or King James? It's the Hebrew word "hine." We saw this last week. It's a word that means stop, notice, don't miss this, see this. It's a I forget the it's 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 a figure of speech or a, an article, demonstrative particle. It is in Hebrew. Not participle. And it it's meant to draw us, as the reader or as the listener, to stop and see something that is true and going on. And so, you ever talk to a kid, and they're like, Come here, come here, come here, come here. I gotta tell you something. 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 And you're doing something, but they gotta tell you something, and they gotta tell you it, and they gotta tell you it. No, no, no. Listen. Listen, listen. listen. I had this dream, and then you just know they're going to make up the dream as they're telling it to you, or you're not quite sure. Or maybe you're good people, and you know they have that dream. Or maybe you're a little like me, and you're like, I wonder if this is just unfolding right now. (laughs) But you've heard them begin with, listen, 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 listen. See, Scripture has this, and we miss this, because, well, it's in the Bible, and we're reading the Bible, but it's, it's stop and see this don't miss this it's a big neon light drawing us either into what's about to come it's or what has already happened or what we need to see so what is isaiah saying arise shine the light of the lord has come the glory of the lord has risen upon you and this is this is spoken to jerusalem and to zion but it's 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 this is to god's people And in a weird way, when the Bible speaks to God's people, it's also a reflection of usually speaking about Christ, which is this cool thing. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises on you. If you spend time in the book of Isaiah, you know that Isaiah does a lot with this. There is darkness and there is light, and there is darkness now and there is light now, but there is light coming. And so Isaiah is speaking to them, and he says, see, see this, don't miss this. Don't miss what? That darkness covers the earth. Oh, like in Genesis 1? No, like right now. And thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Do you know that good news isn't good news if you're not wrestling or living under bad news? You ever gone to the doctor? You're doing fine. Nothing hurts. Everything looks how it's supposed to look, no, no weird things. And you go to the doctor and they're like, you're doing great. And you're like, yeah, I am. But you ever go to the doctor and you've got a little bit of fear about something or other? And the doctor goes, everything's fine, you're doing great. That is a whole different, you're doing fine, everything's great, than when you walk in and you think everything is fine, isn't it? Because the second one is keeping you up at night. It's filling your prayers. It's making you wonder if this is really a big deal. And if this is really a big deal, do I have enough in place in my life to take care of the people around me in my life? That is a whole different... It's fine. It's nothing. Then, man, I have to go in and I got to do a med check today and they're going to do my blood pressure. And hey, you're doing great. Everything's fine. Your numbers are great. Yeah, I know. Can we... Can I get a note so I can get out of work for the rest of the day or whatever, right? That's a very different. And see, the reason we get a behold here is this is not good news the way it needs to be good news to us if we don't live in the realization that darkness actually does cover the earth and a thick darkness is over all of its people. Good news is a, eh, if everything's going Okay. And see, we live under this illusion that everything is going okay. I'm paying my bills. I'm up for promotion at work. My job's pretty secure. My kids are doing mostly what I want them to do. I mean, go down the list of the metrics that we have on whether life is okay or not okay. And when the metrics are mostly tipping to the scale of it's going okay, I'm meeting my deadlines or my word count's right or whatever it is for you for the metric, right? Right? Then this isn't the same good news or the same uh, voice into our life that it needs to be when everything is off the rails. So the reality is, we start and we move towards good news from a place of needing good news. And this isn't just I know what you're doing there Jay you're kind of creatively getting to a salvation message. We all still need good news no matter how long you've been in all in on this life of faith. Gave your life to Jesus as a as a, as a kid, never wandered, just been glory to glory deeper, mountaintop to mountaintop, you still need the good news. And it's only good if we recognize that without Christ, we are completely lost and completely broken. And that's why this is such good news. And this is where the behold, the hine, is so important here. Stop. Don't miss this. He says light has come because light needs to come. The light has come because light needs to come. Why? Because darkness covers the earth and darkness covers the peoples. Light comes because light needs to come. God comes and God is light. We see this in all throughout scripture. Isaiah plays with this idea so much. It's beautiful. We get this in the gospels, especially in the gospel of John. John especially in the Gospel of John. And the more Jesus is revealed as the Son of God, as the light of the world, the more those who say they can see and teach others the light of the world miss him, the blinder they become. It's this incredibly comical and tragical tragedy of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious religious leaders. The more Jesus is revealed as the Son of God, the less they see. He actually... They say it, and he points it back at him. So light has come because light needs to come. And so God gives what is needed. What a beautiful picture of this God that we serve. So Isaiah 60 goes on, and it gives us this. The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine over you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, your God will be your glory, your sun will never set again, your moon will wane no more, the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of sorrow will end. Anyone ever spend a really long night in a really cold tent? Yeah. Some of y'all are like, no. Well... Let me just say, it's a treat. (laughs) Nothing like waking up at 1.30 to an owl or a bear outside your tent that's probably just a mouse. But it's pretty sure it's a Yeti. (laughs) And you're about to die. And then you think of all the movies you've seen and all the wonderful ways you're probably going to be found by the rescuers and they'll piece your body together. Anyone else? Just me? <laughs> but you look, and it's 1.30. And you're like, when's the sun come up again? If I can just make it to sun? What would it mean to live? Not even just, I'm glad it's a full moon, we got some light, but the, the light it, the moon reflecting from the sun isn't even necessary because the glory of the lord is all around what does that mean is that literal like there's no lights in heaven i don't know i don't know but there's something about this truth that is so should be hope and encouragement to us when we find ourselves at 1 in the morning going is that is this the end that there will come a time when the glory of the Lord will shine so brightly that that fear and unknown and pain that we have in one thirty in the morning won't exist anymore. Light came because light needed to come. Light came because light needed to come. And Isaiah says this is what it's going to look like down there. This is Isaiah grabbing language of Psalm 72 and saying this is going to happen but see and we said this good news is only good news when we recognize just how much we need good news don't miss that this isn't a okay let's all feel bad about ourselves so that then we can feel good about ourselves and then you can need me as a teacher a little bit more this is all of us are broken this isn't me trying to get you dependent on me so that I can give you the good news. This is, we are all broken. Me too. Me very much. But see, the good news is is that when we recognize just how broken and frail and needy we are, then the good news is that much more beautiful. Those who've grown up in a setting, or maybe this is you today, and I'm not going to look around the room, but if your very self pull you up by your pull yourself up by your bootstraps, the gospel could possibly be less good news to you than it is to the room in the AA. And so if you are self-made, if you have that wiring in you to not ask for help, the gospel has that much more of a chance to be less good news to you because you think you can do it on your own and you can't. You can't. You can't. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans says. And see, that's either a place of, oh man, I don't want to say that, or that is a super important thing to say. So on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, speaking out to the crowd, Dr. Martin Luther King says this, right? I have a dream. He. Be... This is the first line that says, I have a dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold all these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. It's interesting, I googled... Uh, this week to make sure i was going to get this illustration right i googled uh, the i have a dream speech martin luther king jr doctor and there were i'm not kidding there were eight google ads before you got to the first non and then it wasn't even his speech I'm like, okay, I guess I got to put in text. And then we got a little closer. It was above the fold. But it's interesting. Anyone I mean I mean we all know it, right? We all know the speech. We all can mentally picture it, the crowds on the plaza. But have you ever read it? Have you ever stopped, sat down, listened to it, heard Pastor King's words? They're very interesting. We're halfway into this message before he says, I have a dream. He begins and he says, we're here 100 years away from the abolition of slavery. But we're not where we're supposed to be. And then he goes through and he says, here's where we actually are. And then halfway in says, but I have a dream. See, when we begin with the good news and not where we actually are, we flatten to the I have a dream. God has a dream for me. It's wonderful and it's beautiful and it's, and it's completely disconnected from my actual hurting and my actual questions and my actual doubt and my actual disillusionment. But see, a good prophet is one who speaks truth to the moment not just says, I have a dream. I have a dream hit so hard that day because Dr. King said, this is where we actually are. And everyone who heard his voice and heard the echo of his voice, it's like, yeah, yeah. And so when Isaiah is saying this, Jay, are you saying Isaiah and King? Whatever. Whatever. When Isaiah says in Isaiah 60 he begins by saying look we are a people in darkness and darkness covers the earth. Jay, you don't have to spend any time with this. We all know the darkness that's out there. I don't know your news feed or where you get it or what algorithm likes you. But the darkness isn't just out there. The darkness is in here. I am And I need the light to come. I need healing. I need forgiveness. I need good news. And I need the story of scripture to speak to me where I am at. And that's exactly what it does. Not some fancy translation or some great YouTube preacher or whatever. Just read it and it says, this is you. This is you. And it says it to me. I have a dream is only good news if we truthfully know the world we're living in. It's true. It's why the I have a dream speech is a master class in speaking toward change. It's not just what you hope to have happen that you say or you read or you bring in. It's, it's a real, real what is going on in my life right now, which is the message mostly of the prophets. Prophecy is sometimes thus saith the Lord and out into the future, and we see that a bit here in Isaiah. But prophecy, so often in scripture, is truth spoken into that moment. That's why I don't have a lot of time for the YouTube preachers who want to talk about 2025. I don't really care. I don't really care about two weeks from now. I like to look back and make fun of them when they're wrong, it's my pride. And my anger that so many folks get baited into the tasty morsel of the future. Leave it to God and live in the now trusting. I knew we wouldn't get to this, but here we go. When we read Psalm 72, and when I just, in here, we didn't hit all of Psalm 60, so please this week, after you've done your Advent box and you've texted me and said, Jay, that was so well done, <laughs> spend some time in Psalm 60, because it's beautiful. Isaiah, you knew. Come on, I'm holding a microphone. I'm doing my best. Ah uh, <laughs> psalm 72 isaiah 60 matthew 2 when we were in psalm 72 did any of that begin to light up your imagination and hey this sounds a little familiar Then when we were in psalm 60 did hey did any of that sound a little familiar i know we're in christmas and so this is a loaded question but between psalm 72 isaiah 60 and salvador dolly <laughs> hopefully This is lighting up our imagination to get us to Matthew chapter 2. So we're jumping the timeline. But here's how it goes, and don't worry, we're not going to unpack this all the way. Pizza's coming at 11.30, we'll be done. Probably not. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi or Magi, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, Hey, where's the one who has been born, King of the Jews? We saw the star when it rose and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests, I love that it says all the people's and not his, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what's written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod, Then Herod called the Magi, secretly found out from them when the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him too. After they heard the king, they went on their way. The star they had seen, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was, which Bethlehem's about from here to Nina from Jerusalem. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts that sound a lot like the stuff from Psalm 72 and Isaiah 60. Gold and incense. Frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Psalm 72. May the kings of Tarshish of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him with gifts. May they all bow down to him and worship him and the nations serve him. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted, who have no one to help, he will take pity on the weak and the needy, and save the needy from death, and he will rescue them from oppression and violence. For precious is the blood in their sight. In Isaiah 60, herds of camels will cover the land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense, proclaiming the praise of the Lord. God's preparations for the birth of Jesus go back to the beginning. How could knowing that God had the end in mind from the beginning give us hope? Is the question that was posed this week in our Advent reading. How does knowing that God has the end in mind from the beginning give us hope? And here's the thing. How does knowing that God had the end in mind from the beginning give us peace? Because it should. This isn't some fancy uh, author's way of connecting things, putting in Easter eggs for us. Psalm 60, Psalm 72, the Psalm of Solomon, prayer for his reign. A lot of that actually comes to fruition in his reign. The Queen of Sheba comes up, brings gifts. He shows her all of his kingdom and the glory. She says, your people are blessed to have you in your wisdom. And she goes away. Psalm 72 mostly happens. And yet Isaiah, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says so much more than what happened for Solomon is going to happen, but it has not happened yet. How does it give you peace? Does it? That God has the end in mind from the beginning. There isn't a thing in your life happening that God isn't aware of. Well, Jay, that's great that someone is aware of something. God isn't just aware of your life and the things going on in your life. He is active in it. God is not distant. God is not watching us like some diorama from a, a kindergarten class that, look at all the things I made for this story, puts it on the shelf. There is not a piece of your life that God is not aware of and at work in. That is in the good and in the bad. It's why Romans chapter 8 isn't just a cliche. He is working for good all things for those who love him. There is hope in this. And peace in this. And distress in this story. Stanley Harwas says this. He says, Herod's fear of the boy. It's not the bay. He doesn't really care much about Green Bay. (laughs) Herod's fear of the boy reveals the depth of his fragility. Herod's, that's not a typo. Herod's in our world. Know their positions require constant vigilance because any change may well make their insecure positions more insecure. We're going to unpack this more next week. Peace comes when we see, when we notice. Peace does not come when we try to control the narrative. That's what Herod's doing. And it doesn't work, does it? Why do we think when we control the narrative it's going to bring peace? Herod is in distress when he hears eventually about these foreign diplomats coming. And then it says all of the city of Jerusalem is in uproar as well. Peace begins by recognizing our lack of peace Behold, darkness covers. But peace dawns in our life when we see this isn't just some moment that comes from nowhere. In fact, God is preparing all of history to this point, which is just the opening notes of the symphony which ends in the crescendo of the cross and the resurrection. I say this every year Christmas is important, Easter is important. I don't really care if it was December 25th. I don't care if you do a Christmas tree or a Yule log or any of that jazz. God isn't wigged out by it. Let's not be, well, okay, hold that one in. Ask me over pizza. But the point of this is that it moves us to the cross and the resurrection. And that is the crescendo of history. Not a baby in a manger. That captures our imagination and shows us what a God we serve. Behold, darkness covers. So do you see it? Herod didn't. His scholars actually didn't either, even though they knew the answer. It was the ones who were following God's lead who went where it went. Later, Jesus would say, Blessed are those, but blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. I know technically we don't see it and technically we don't hear it. Jesus talks about that. He says, Thomas, you see, but blessed are those who come after you who don't see. But we're on the other side of this being true. We have the story, we have these pieces connect. Hine. Behold. Back to Dolly, and then we'll be done. So this real fancy book that I got, which is not all, well, that one's inside too. Lot's inside today. So this fancy book, it's got all this art. And then it's got a write-up on it, and an explanation of it. He uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. So it's got all this on there. So anyway, for this one, it's got some technical stuff on it. it talks about the colors, talks about the, the the double signatures, talks about actually how these elephants are things that he comes back to in other pieces of art. Talks about how this is from Isaiah chapter sixty, and doesn't say a lick. Doesn't say a lick about those who came to worship the Christ child. What? Now, we could say, oh, you author, we're so much smarter than you. How could you miss this? This is obviously what this foreshadows to. This is obviously what this points to. This is, but see, let those who have eyes see. And let those who have ears hear. Behold is just a silly stop word unless we are cultivating in our heart an attitude of one who is able to be interrupted on our own story. To have someone else say, don't miss this. Don't miss this. And that's what God is doing in the birth of his son don't miss this don't let this just be about some psalm for Solomon don't let this just be about some future thing that Isaiah said this is the unfolding of right now and so in your life in your heart do you do you recognize the darkness that's there Have you said, God, I need you to be at work in here and to shine your light into this space? And have you done it again and again and again? This isn't a one and done. This isn't a salvation thing. This is a being shaped into the likeness of Christ thing. And so maybe you've been a follower of Christ for a million years, but the last few years have moved. It's gotten not pretty. Behold, behold. No one else can tell you what this means. But will you, God, God, show to me again the wonder and the mystery of what you're doing? And God, I'm tempted to write my own narrative, and I'm a little bit like Herod. But God, help me to not be. Or God, maybe I'm a little bit like those religious scholars, and you know your Bible in and out. But it's just answers. And it's not the thing that makes you move from here to Nina to actually worship. God, help us to be like these folks who probably weren't on elephants, but... Man, that's super fun to think. God, help us to move toward you. Behold. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we can gather together around this story that isn't just a drop out of nowhere. God, you had the end in mind from the beginning. Not only the end in mind, but Jesus, you you were the plan from before let there be light. And so, God, I pray that you would be light revealed in our lives, that we would move towards you, that we would see you, that we would hear you. Not some secret knowledge of you. You have clearly revealed yourself to us in Christ. We are not Christ. You are. God, thank you that in our need, in the place where we could do nothing for ourselves, you came to us. And God, thank you that when we give you all we've got, our best and our wretchedness, you receive that and you exchange it for your righteousness. God, help us to live rightly. Lord, saturate us with your peace, If nothing, God, help us to let go of our need to control our narrative. And God, help us to have hope and peace knowing that you are a great storyteller and you're doing a great job. And that we don't need to worry. God, give us your peace. Jesus, we love you and we worship you, even if our gifts aren't as good as gold and frankincense and myrrh. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.